There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is able to continue because of the support of listeners such as yourself. If you want to support Decoding Westworld, all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash Dave Chen. Any amount is appreciated, but if you kick in $10 a month, you can get bonus episodes with Siddhanth and myself questioning the nature of our reality. Again, that's patreon.com slash Dave Chen. Thank you so much to everyone who makes Decoding Westworld possible. Unlike yours, my kind is perfect. Perfectly immortal, perfectly rational, and yet they're making irrational choices, choosing mortality. Staining themselves with death. How are you making them do that? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding Westworld, an unofficial recap podcast about the HBO original series Westworld. I'm David Chen. I'm Siddhanta Dlaka. Welcome to the podcast. Every week here, we talk about the latest episode of Westworld, talk about uh, all the stuff that happened, speculate on what's going on. Uh, speculate about future episodes, how the season might end, and so on. Uh, that's what we're going to be doing here on the podcast today. You can find more episodes of this podcast at decodingwestworld.com. Email us at decodingwestworld at gmail.com. This week, we'll be discussing Season 4, Episode 6, Fidelity, in its entirety. We'll be discussing Fidelity, latest episode of Westworld that just aired. But before we get to this week's episode, Sadanth, we got to talk about uh, a lot of the emails that have come in uh, last week. A lot of emails coming into decodingwestworld at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. This one comes in from Jenna. Jenna writes, Please tell me there are plans for a spinoff of what Stubbs has been doing for 30 years while he was waiting for Bernard. Surely he wasn't in the tub all that time. What amazing adventures he must have been on. And We have to know. We have to know. <laughs> what do you think? Do you want a Stubbs spinoff, Sinanth? Yeah, call it Stubbs in the Tub, see what happens. Yeah. Would it be Stubbs in the Tub or Stubbs in the Tubs? You Stubbs know, in the Tubs, it's multiple Tubs. Multiple Tubs. Multiple, multiple tubs. tubs in multiple realities. Yes, indeed. Um, okay, we got an email uh, from somebody who who I think, <laughs> I think we'll just, uh, shall remain nameless. Shall remain nameless. Um, uh, but basically asking the question, who is Charloris? We've been talking about... This, this email comes in from someone um, who says, quote, I just listened to your latest podcast. I have no idea who you're talking about when you say Charloris. Who are you referring to? What's the actor's name so I can identify who you're referring to? <laughs> um, <laughs> have you seen that uh, Andy Bernard uh, meme online? Um which it's become a meme. It's like uh, the Chris Pratt from Parks and Recreation. It's basically like, I don't know who Charloris is. And at this point, I'm too afraid to ask. <laughs> <laughs> We've yeah, been using well, the phrase was... Charloris the entire time. Now, okay. So who are we talking about when we say Charloris in the show? So we're um, talking about Tessa Thompson's character, uh, yes. who is, well, originally started off as Charlotte Hale, the human who was running Delos. But at some point during the show, 
uh, towards the end of season two, if you'll recall, Dolores, the host, copied herself over into... Dolores, Dolores, who is the main protagonist played by Evan Rachel Wood, Dolores copied Dolores's mind. Yes, her own mind. Placed a copy of Dolores's mind into a host version of Charlotte Hale's body. Yes. Charlotte Hale, who is played by Tessa Thompson. Yes. So, since the third season, there have been uh, at least two versions of Dolores. One played by Evan Rachel Wood and one played by Tessa Thompson. Now, at the end uh, of season three, the the OG Dolores um, died, giving her life to destroy Rabobone. As far as we know. Yeah, (laughs) as far as we know. So that means the only version of Dolores is... The one that exists in Charlotte Hale, which we now refer to as Charloris. And um, I think some of the confusion may have come from the fact that we might be the only ones calling her that. Because I know on Reddit, they call her Haloris or Haloris. Yes. Uh, after, you know, her last name, Hale. But we decided to use her first name and call her Charloris. I have a feeling if we use a different term that this listener still would not have gotten it. I'm just going to put That's that out true. there. That's true. Um, Sinan, but yes, uh, the show is very confusing. Charloris is... Uh, Dolores, who has copied her mind, put it into Charlotte Hale's host body. The original Charlotte Hale, we should point out, is dead. Um, yes. Was killed in season two. Uh, it's like T one thousand rules. You know, when you make a copy of someone, you generally kill them. And <laughs> uh, and so yeah, uh, we should also point out that in season three, like the reason Charlotte became super evil is because she deviated from the original Dolores's. Uh, I guess. Raison d'etre, you know, motivation, like impetus for life, you know, like by being placed in a different body and having a different circumstance, um, Charloris went in a very different direction with how she wanted to take control over all humans compared to the original Dolores. Yeah. And long story Um, short, uh, she, I think, kind of felt protective of the original Charlotte Hale's family who were then, you know, killed in season three. And that made her a fascist megalomaniac, as often yes. happens. Yeah, yeah. As you do. As you do, you know. Mm-hmm. So hope that addresses that question of who Charlores is. But it's it is it's just hilarious to me the idea that someone could be listening to this podcast and not know who we're talking about literally half the time uh when we're it's, doing the show. Which which I by the way, I don't blame I don't blame this listener. I don't blame this listener. If anything, I blame number one. In, in descending order, I blame number one, us, uh, yes. who probably could always be clear in our conversation. And number two, the show, for being so goddamn confusing, right? To be but, fair, I do think we've mentioned Tessa Thompson a few times in the last couple of weeks, but maybe we never said specifically that Tessa Thompson <laughs> is playing Shaloris. So uh, I can see where the confusion might stem Well, it's from. just a really confusing idea that like Dolores made a copy of herself put it in a different body but also like she's behaving differently now too you know like yeah. it's just it's not anyway it's confusing it's confusing and that, that's the thing that's kind of a bummer I, I will say is you and I have been screaming from the rooftops that season four of Westworld is like a really solid season of television mm-hmm. um, but the problem is people are like, oh well can I just start with season four and the answer is kind of yes but the thing is like it's impossible to really understand what the fuck is going on <laughs> without having seen all of seasons one through three you know what i mean yeah yeah and, like there's uh, so just, many details from seasons one two and three that you need to know to really get the most out of season four 
Yeah, especially with so, the title of this episode, Fidelity, which is a concept that comes up yes. heavily in season two. And yes. so it was just last week that um, Sage from the YouTube channel Just Right uh, posted a nice chart on Twitter uh, showing the steep decline in viewership from um, seasons three to four, which, granted, may not take into account uh, the emergence of HBO Max, but at the same time, it's such a steep decline that it seems like, you know, we're one of the very few people watching this season, which sucks <laughs> because it's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I, I would agree with you that the... The chart that's first of all, I have enormous respect for Sage as a video essayist. So like, mm-hmm, no mm-hmm. shade to Sage. Um, but yeah, the chart is, I believe, linear viewing. You know, it's not uh, linear TV viewing. It doesn't take into account HBO Max wasn't out then. I think you pointed that out actually. You know, and if you look at other shows like um, Young Sheldon or Big Bang Theory or whatever during the same period, like they show similar drops in linear TV viewing. So, but that said, I will agree with you. It does feel like very few other people are watching the show. And perhaps the only ones are the ones who are listening to Decoding Westworld. <laughs> you know? So But we appreciate it's been fun to like the 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 emails from Decoding Westworld have gone from nothing to uh we're getting like a bunch of emails each week, like engaging with the show very seriously, including yeah. this one from Kendrick, who writes in quote, Love the show, thankful for the recaps. Uh, had a question. In episode one, when we're introduced to Christina in the city, we briefly overhear some dudes talking about how it was their first time there, and the original thinking was this was some kind of Westworld-esque park set in a New York City-type space. But after the fifth episode showed us hosts working towards ascension by spending time with humans, do we think it was actually hosts we overheard in episode one having their experience in the material world? What do you think? Um, I believe, yeah, that that you know that's meant to be a takeaway in retrospect. Um, you know, initially it seems like, oh, you know, maybe these are, you know, uh, humans who are just visiting another park filled with Android hosts, but it's really the other way around. It's robot guests, host guests. Uh, this Again, this is the thing about this thing getting so confusing. It's host guests talking about visiting a park filled with human hosts. Does that mm. make sense? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah. But is it a park though? Or is it, you know, I don't know that it's meant to be like an explicit amusement park. It's just like, um, I think but maybe based... it's like, maybe when they're talking about, is it your first time? They're just talking about like New York city. It's the first time in New York city, a, a, a place where humans are mind controlled by Charloris, you know? Well, I guess Charloris, you know, uh, it's implied that she doesn't spend all her time around these controlled humans. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have the option of, I guess, not spending time in a space like this. And it is explicitly made for um, the original hosts, you know, the 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 Android ones created by Charloris, for them to, you know, uh, indulge their fantasies uh, and their base impulses. So it does, you know, whether or not it's literally you know, a park that you have to pay an entry fee for, which I, I doubt, um, it, it's meant to function in pretty much the same way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. So anyway, yeah, uh, good good call out, Kendrick. We didn't explicitly go back and recognize that, but it, that, that line does make a lot more sense given what we know. Okay. Sit down. Let's get into the episode, shall we? Perfect. Let's do it. Yeah. And again, you can always email us at decodingwestworld at gmail.com. Um, love reading the emails. Uh, let's talk about fidelity. Overall thoughts on this episode, Siddhanth. What do you think? Westworld is back, baby. I know I said it last week, but I will say it again. I I am really in love with where the show is going. And this one, it felt so different from all the previous five just because 
there weren't any major reveals per se. There weren't any, you know, big things for us to really, really contemplate. This, it, it felt like much more dramatically focused. And, you know, for once, the two plot lines that it follows feel almost directly interrelated. Uh, so it felt like a much smaller and more dramatically intimate episode. Uh, yeah, I will say overall solid episode. I will say um, there are some really dumb things in this episode. Sit down. I'm, I'm going to put that out there. I, I think there's some things that are like this episode feels to me like the best and worst of what Westworld can offer. Um, Interesting. In that. The ideas are really cool. Some of the sequences are really cool. Some of the imagery is very haunting. Um, but also people are behaving in completely irrational, nonsensical ways. Um, That's that fair. Feel That's fair. Kind of like outright silly to me and, and kind of dumb. So, um, and I'll give some examples. I'll give some yes. examples. But I would say I'm a mixed bag on this episode. Um, overall positive. Just because like the, the concept of you know Caleb needing to fight his old like or not fight but like surpass his old selves in order to triumph is such mm-hmm. a cool idea and brought to life so vividly with all the different versions of Aaron Paul that uh you know it gets the episode ultimately gets a pass for me yeah. but um but there's some really dumb stuff in the episode and so we'll, we'll talk about that okay starting with the opening scene so there is a flashback where we see Frankie when she's young and we, and b- basically this is very reminiscent of the matrix. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen the matrix or specifically the matrix, obviously you've seen the matrix, but I don't know if you've seen the matrix, um, the anime, uh, or the animated yes. versions of the matrix. I have. Yes. The animatrix, the animatrix right. And like in the animatrix, uh, there's stories of people who try to like, uh, get other people out of the matrix, right? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like you, in the matrix one, you saw how Neo was extracted from the matrix in the animatrix. You see how like other people are, are, or are not successful in getting extracted from the matrix. And this felt like, Hey, we're seeing someone get extracted from the matrix, right? Um, we're in this future city where it's a, it's a flashback to when Frankie was young, Uwade and Frankie, they escaped Carver, uh, and they decided to free other people's minds, right? And so they approached this guy who um, they tried to get out of uh, the Matrix by saying, like, hey, you, you you used to have a brother, but your parents don't remember him. You do, though, which is kind of interesting, right? Like, mm-hmm. the memory of these people is, is wiped away when mm-hmm. they, are, they become outliers, right? Yeah. And... Um, uh, then the the robots come, and then it's like, "Hey, stay still! Don't move! Don't move!" <laughs> Which uh, so apparently the machines follow the same rules as uh, T Rexes in the Jurassic <laughs> Park series, right? If you don't move, they can't spot that you're not taken over by a fly. Which is just like, really, really, you wouldn't have any other way of telling it. And then of course, like the guy blinks, so that's the thing that gives him away. It's just like, it's a little bit silly, I think. It's a little bit silly. What, what do you think? Am I am I being unfair, Siddhanth? I don't think you're being unfair. I think it is silly because these thoughts did come to my head as well. Like, oh, is this how, you know, these these drone hosts work? You know, they have no other way of telling. And There's why no so... other way. There's no other way of scanning yeah. someone yeah. or using and... thermal imaging or telling everyone to do one thing and then you just spot the difference. It's just like, even as a human viewer, it is so easy to see which ones are not the mind control ones. 
not the fleet. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and sure, you know, there, there's a lot of silly things that go on in the back of my head. Like, you know, why is it so easy to infiltrate this place? But at the same time, I <laughs> this found... This is the worst... Secu- both Westworld and the host-controlled city have the worst security ever, is kind of what the conclusion is. But I will say, I I found the scene to be riveting despite the silliness. So I can see why they went with this, because, you know, as you know, illogical or nonsensical or whatever it is for these people to have to stand perfectly still. Um, the the way that scene is conceived is filled with a fair amount of tension. So I don't, in this case, I didn't mind them making a slightly sillier narrative decision if it led to, you know, uh, a slightly more intense scene. So I didn't hate it too much. Uh, again, I don't disagree with you. Um, but what's also interesting about from the moment this episode opens, I found myself, you know, questioning, um, where are we and who are we looking at? Because, yeah, it's very quickly revealed that, okay, this is actually young Frankie. This is a younger Jay. Uh, and this is presumably like 20 something years in the past compared to what we watched last week. Um, but, you know, this being Westworld, it has, you know, obviously put me in the perspective of someone who has to ask, who am I actually looking at? And when is this actually taking place? And um, I've started to appreciate it. I've I've stopped being frustrated by it uh, because now I find myself more and more, you know, uh, emotionally engaged and more satisfied by the answers. And it was fun seeing the actress who plays young Frankie back, Celeste Clark, uh, because I think she's pretty great. And I was afraid that now that we move forward in time, we wouldn't get more of her, but we do. Um, but of course, before it's, you know, quote unquote, revealed when and where we actually are, you do actually see kids uh, running around this, you know, futuristic city. And I don't think it was New York. I think it's somewhere on the West Coast. I couldn't quite tell. Um, but yeah, you see what it's like for kids uh, to be under the control of these, you know, fly things. You see, you see kid fleeps. In, in the terminology that we've invented. For, for the, yeah, for those who don't know, fleeps is the term <laughs> we've invented for fly, like human people that have been controlled by the fly mind control things. Um, fly so, peeps. Fly peeps. Fly peeps or fleeps. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk about what happens. So yeah, we, we find we find out what happens with Jay and Frankie and like their whole backstory, which is like pretty uh, pretty major that Jay was one of the people that Frankie helped to rescue, right? That's a pretty... <laughs> significant part of their backstory yeah um i don't i don't know why they didn't just use the same actor like you're sure this was jay right like because i don't know why they just didn't use the same actor for jay because they use the same actor for uwade you know what i mean um well although i guess uwade is dead in the future yeah or or we don't know what what's going on with uwade yeah and yeah actually so yeah ignore everything i just said that was complete nonsense what i just said so sorry about that (laughs) So you're confused about when this is taking place, too. Yeah, yeah. But this is twenty year. This is twenty to twenty two years before the the rest of the events of this episode. Basically, look at this, this David two seventy eight over here. Hmm. Hmm. So, um, let's talk about what happens with with uh, the rest of the Frankie storyline this episode, right? Uh, we then flash forward into the future, into the present day. Frankie and Bernard arrive in Chicagoland. We get a few more hints about, like, th- throughout this whole season, we've been getting hints about, like, what exactly Bernard knows about what's going to happen, right? And, and mm-hmm. he says, like, I never know what you'll do next, but 
the place you're taking me, yes, I know that place. So he knows about Chicagoland. Um, and, and basically they're trying to bring Maeve back because I think Maeve holds the key to defeating Charloris, right? Um, and he, they go around the park and he says, hey, uh, they used to use these hats to, to get, get brain readings from people, but um, that wasn't fast enough. So instead they used mirrors. You know, that's how they, they got all this information. Um, and Bernard like knows how to get around the park and get to everything. He's like, mm-hmm. I know the architect, you know, I, I, I know it's, they use the same art. It's like, wow, boy, were the people who made Westworld lazy, huh? Like they're <laughs> reusing, reusing storylines, not only reusing storylines and kind of storytelling archetypes, but also architecture for the parks, you know, anyway, it's, it's a convenient thing to, to get around the idea that like they know where everything is, but, um, yeah, and they're they're just trying to bring Maeve back. That's kind of the whole thing. Um, yeah. Any and I thoughts think, about the Bernard Frankie interaction in the opening parts of the episode? Honestly, I think it was really great because it it goes on a long time. I think there's like three or four consecutive scenes with them. Yeah. Um, it it really you know it lets you take this journey alongside them and lets you slowly understand that even though until now Bernard has been very, very certain of everything that's going to happen. Now we've reached a stage where, you know, given the way he's run his simulations, he's not 100% sure of what's going to come next. And I think, oh, finally, finally we're at a stage where, you know, you you can, you know, wring some kind of drama out of this. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we we see what happens with that later on. But just starting from the fact that he says, you know, 60% of the time she'll wake up amenable to our plan, speaking about Maeve, but the other 40%, let's just say she wakes up on the wrong side of the bed. Um, it's like, okay, for once he's really not fully sure of, you know, what hurdles they're going to have to jump. Also, he's using the uh, Mac OS migration assistant to get Maeve's brain into a new uh, brain ball or pearl, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you you ever done migration assistance at all? Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's where you get a new computer and you need to migrate all your old stuff to the new computer. And uh, boy, those things take a long time, even in the future. <laughs> when I when I get a new Mac, it's like four hours to transfer all your old stuff. It's like, oh my god, what a pain in the ass. And yeah, I guess that's also true when you're trying to translate uh, or uh, migrate the consciousness and data of a super weapon um, into a new brain ball, you know? Yeah, I, I couldn't tell what exact wire they were using, but I'm just going to assume it was USB-C. Yeah, that's the problem. They're still using USB-C technology in the future. You know? <laughs> they should be using whatever the next-gen stuff is. Um, <laughs> USB-D. <laughs> so, and, and yeah, there is some cool stuff between Frank, uh, Frankie and Bernard in this episode because, you you know... The last time Frankie saw her father was when she was he was leaving with Maeve, right? Mm-hmm. And you kind of get a sense of that history. And now, like, here's Maeve potentially being fixed up and stuff like that. So, yeah, anyway. and I also I also really like some of the dialogue in this episode. But you know, it's very on the nose. It's very cheesy. But I, I enjoyed Frankie saying things like, "You made the puppet strings long enough to strangle the world." There's there's yeah. a strange amount of poetry there. Like, I don't know that someone like Frankie would quote-unquote, realistically phrase it that way. But I, it was it was pretty fascinating to hear that, all right, this is this really, you know, puts us in the mind of someone who is rightly suspicious of Bernard. 
She was uh, reading a lot of uh, Shakespeare and other literature when she was underground fighting for her life um, <laughs> in the in the human host wars, apparently. But um, what else can you do? Yeah, indeed. The only other major thing that happens with this story, or a couple of major things happen with this storyline, right? One is that Bernard is scanning Frankie and he hasn't told her and he's like, you just have to trust me. But that causes Frankie to be suspicious. And then Bernard's like, no, I'm not the mole. It's someone else here. One of your friends didn't come back alive. Like someone else in the mix is a host. And then he says something that was really weird to me. He's like, he's like um i've run all the simulations sometimes it's uh, you know it's jay and sometimes it's your girlfriend sometimes it's stubs and it's like what <laughs> what how does that work i think you they know replace they replace stubs in the mission like what? With, with another host with another host that looks just like yeah. just like stubs yeah which brings me to my main complaint with this whole dumb plot line so oh, which no. is that which is that Your whole, your whole organization, your whole ethos, your whole mission in life is to take down the machines. You're not going to have some procedure of checking whether someone's a machine or not. I, I'm telling True. you, Sidanth, I, I, like I am, I live in a very COVID careful household. I literally, uh, I have a an at home PCR test. Like it's more, it's. Uh, more sophisticated than like the antigen test you can buy at a store. I uh, literally PCR test anyone that I'm hanging out with inside right now. You're telling me if your life is depending on it in the hum- future human host wars, you're not going to have some kind of device that tells you whether someone's a host and just run everyone through it. You know what I'm saying? I do get what you're saying, but at the same time, let me bring up two things. Yes. Um, first of all, this has kind of been the premise since season one, because so much of it is about creating hosts that are so realistic and so lifelike that there's almost no distinction between them and humans. And second of all, it's one of those things that I'm just, I'm willing to let it slide because again, it leads to more interesting drama. It leads to Frankie having to, you know, figure out and work through her paranoia and, and you know, really read people. And, and not just that she she's very explicit about hating hosts right and now to think that she might have to turn that hate on someone she loves that i found to be much more interesting than oh let me just scan you beep beep you know i i okay i'm right there with you Siddhanth. i i would be willing to accept this massive gap in logic and even though they are indistinguishable Siddhanth, they still have mechanical parts inside them they sell brain balls inside them there's a there theoretically is a way to scan to know if someone's a host but okay maybe despite so, the fact you, that we've seen them use a ton of military grade equipment maybe they just aren't supplied very well they, or they don't have very much money whatever fine but so then you, the you way would prefer the scene where where frankie was like oh no my my host scanner it broke i guess i gotta be paranoid now <laughs> well i would prefer a a world that is internally consistent but Put, let's put aside my qualms about the realism. All right, cinema even, sins. Even, even putting that aside, the way in which this takes place is so uh-huh. dumb. Sidanth, like, uh-huh. you know, the, the the girlfriend is like, um, hey, like, what were you doing trying to revive that host? And then Frankie's like, well, you wouldn't, if you, uh, if you knew how important it was to me, you wouldn't need to ask that. And then it's like, dude, just ask her a question that only <laughs> she would know the answer to. And instead she's like, like you know how you were talking earlier about how Carver is like one of the worst hosts. 
Well, Frankie's girlfriend is one of the worst humans. Like she, this is how you act like the most suspicious possible. She's like, well, all I, what I do know is that you are going to try to repair this thing. It's like, what the fuck? Like, just tell her the thing that can prove you're human. Like, it's so dumb. It's so okay, dumb. This, this, I, this I can't disagree with. This I can't disagree with. Look, it's like, it's, like I, I like the idea of Frankie needing to figure out, you know, who is actually yeah. a host or not. But like the way in which it plays out is so silly, it it completely removes any tension from the whole situation. Like this person is acting in the sketchy, most sketchy ass way imaginable. You know? Yeah, and you can sort of feel the writing through it. Like, like yes, the fact that it is so written to to be this way. And look, I I, I don't normally like saying like, oh, you know, I got ahead of this thing, so I'm smarter than it. I don't, you know, I, I don't think. You know, Westworld is playing particularly coy at this point about things like, oh, who's actually the host? It seems very obvious from the beginning that it's actually Jay. Um, but that then made me wonder, that then made me wonder, because he's the only one you really see in flashback. Um, and that made me wonder, like, okay, so why is the Jay host now kind of, you know, pushing Frankie towards finding out who the mole is? Like, that is so, it's so self-defeating. You know, mm-hmm. and I get it. It's meant to be like a red herring for us, the audience. But I don't know. I, I, I feel like it. it's just the last thing that the J-host should be doing. <laughs> He's like, but he was obviously not operating under the uh, the ma- ma- mantra, uh, whoever smelt a deltas. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> he, he's and, the one bringing was- up. You know, like, hey, there's probably a mole amongst us, but it's probably not me because I'm the one that's bringing up that there's a mole. Yeah. And, and, and here's my thing also. Like, when she does turn around and smack him with the bottle, right? He's like, all right, I guess the jig is up. Instead, yeah. like, if you really want to maintain, just be like, ow, why'd you do that? <laughs> it's so dumb. <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, like, okay, so, so you can imagine an alternate reality version of this uh-huh. entire episode where – they have seeded in or they, they built, they built more track around Mm -hmm. her suspecting that the girlfriend and Jay were hosts, right? Like, yeah. um, But instead, like they have this flashback where Jay is like an asshole to her. And that's why later on she's like, Oh, well we were never buddy, buddy. it's like, really? Like in the last 20 years, you guys didn't have a better relationship (laughs) than this, you know? But it's like, no, what he was, he was a dick to her in the flashback. So like, that's how he was the entire time, you know? Um, but you can imagine an episode where but the the biggest problem is we didn't meet these characters until what episode three, right? Yeah, um, and we don't and so really know are, this like, about yeah, and we don't really know this thing about Jay until like thirty minutes before it becomes relevant. Exactly, exactly. So, so there's just not enough. And maybe it was a budgetary. I'm not even necessarily even blaming the showrunners. Like maybe it was a budgetary reason. They're like, you only get eight episodes, so it's like, okay, well, we don't we don't have the one episode to dedicate to like the Frankie Jay, uh, you know, backstory, mm-hmm. like. Um, but the result, so maybe there were resource constraints, but the result is all this stuff is just very silly. And then, yeah, why does it, why does Jay instantly reveal the jig is, it just doesn't make any sense at all. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's anyway. like, all right, we, we gotta, we gotta rush this thing through, be economic about it. And so again, I can't, can't disagree with you. It was, it was a little bit dumb, but overall this episode moves so smoothly that I, I didn't mind it too much. But again, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, and 
And I should point out, like, love the idea. Love the idea of, like, oh, there's a host and she needs to figure out who. Like, that's a great concept. But the way it plays <laughs> out is just very clunky. Very, feels very perfunctory. So, yeah. Um, but they do get Maeve back. Maeve comes back and uh, they act- she activated Maeve. You know, Frankie decided to trust Bernard, activate Maeve. And then, um, and she also hears host Caleb on the radio mm-hmm. encouraging her uh, in one of the biggest coincidences in Westworld history. <laughs> which is she's by the radio at the moment that Caleb gets to the top and obviously she's fighting off Jay, you know? So, yeah. Um, but whatever, I, I, that, that did not bother me as much as the rest of the stuff in the episode. Yeah. So. And, and to be fair, you can, if you really want to trace a causality there, because, you know, Shalora says, I have sent someone to infiltrate or whatever. I've sent her a guest or something like that. And then that's what motivates Caleb to like send her that message. And then that's mm-hmm, yes. you know, in parallel. That's the story that's playing out. But yeah, it was one of those, uh, dramatic coincidences that I thought worked really well because as soon as the message starts playing, host Jay shoots the radio and I'm like, man, you did not just like this girl has been waiting 20 something <laughs> years to hear her father's voice and you pulled this shit. Mm-hmm. Good. I'm glad you mm-hmm. got stabbed in the head. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Um, but Maeve comes back. She's amenable to Frankie's quest and they're going to finish this thing. They're going to finish yeah. it. They got two episodes. They're going to take down Charloris. So that's the Frankie Bernard storyline this episode. Hell yeah. Any other thoughts before we move on? Um, Not yet. There is a line that actually comes towards the end of this plot line that mirrors something from the other half of the episode, something that Charloris says, but we'll get to it. All right. Uh, well, that is the Frankie and Jay and Bernard storyline this episode. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Before we move on, uh, Sadanth, uh, anything you want to plug this week that you've been working on? Hell yeah. So I wrote a review for Shin Ultraman, the um, the follow-up to Shin Godzilla or Shin Gojira by, as directed by <clears throat> Shinji Higuchi and written by Hideaki Anno, who created Evangelion. And it's a really good movie, and it is currently playing at the New York Asian Film Festival. Nice. Uh, Shin Godzilla, awesome movie, awesome oh, movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, and and sorry, the review is at this new Asian American publication called Joy Sauce, which David, you might be familiar with. Yes, yes, excellent, excellent. We'll check out um, Sedan's review of uh, Shin Ultraman over at Joy Sauce. Um, I want to plug uh, Casa Kings. Uh, my Ooh. co-host at Casa Kings, Kim Kim Renfro, went to the premiere of House of the Dragon. She, uh, we did an episode where she kind of described what the scene was like there, how it compared to previous premieres. It's really interesting, a lot of fun. Check it out at acastofkings.com. Uh, 
Okay, let's move on and talk about the Charloris Caleb storyline. So uh, we hadn't been with Charloris and Caleb for a while. Um, Caleb comes back. He has some flashbacks this episode. We see like him meeting Uwade for the first time and so on. Um, but hey, I have to say, Siddharth, I think for once I called it. I called it, didn't I? Didn't I call which, it? Which bit? Uh, I predicted that a, a, a well, I wasn't firm on it, but I predicted that a potential reason why Charloris would bring Caleb back is because um, Caleb was able to defeat the mind control somehow. Yes, right. Yes, yes, yes. And yes, that she yes. would want to. She want to know how he did that, and that's why she bring him back. Um, well done. And so I, I think this episode definitively shows that was in fact the reason why she did that, right? That's why yes. she's making hundreds of versions of this Caleb is because she wants to crack the code of why there's people like Caleb, why there's outliers and so on. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I called it, man. I called it. Well done. Well done. I'm, I'm not wrong about a hundred percent of things is really what, where I'm landing with this. So, <laughs> but yeah, she's, uh, she's really pissed. She's bringing Caleb back and she's like, Hey, I need you to tell me, how you were able to defeat my mind control. And he's like, I, you know, I don't recall. Um, it's funny. It's <laughs> weird. It must've slipped my mind. I don't, don't remember. Uh, and then, uh, she says, well, you know, if you don't tell me you will die slowly and painfully versus I will give you a quick death. If you tell me, so it's like, dude, who could turn down a deal like that? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's at this point that, uh, she, when, when Caleb asks about his daughter, Shalora says something like, oh, my daughter, my daughter, my daughter, you're such a stuck record, which to me felt like it really mirrors a line that Jay says later on. Sorry, I have it here in my notes. Um, oh, yeah, something like, uh, you know, you're pathetic. You're always talking about your family. And that to me kind of um, unlocks in a way a question that Shaloris has been trying to get the answer to. But I think we can get to it towards the end of the episode. Well, I'm just going to make a prediction right now about what it is. So, okay. And, okay. And I know you're going to quit the podcast after I say this, but like, I actually think that this ep- this show is going to go with something very cheesy. Like the real way to defeat the mind control fly robots, larva, is... whatever, is, symbiosis, is love. Like, I was going to say I family. Think- uh, yeah, I was. Gonna, I, I think it's gonna be love or some like you know how interstellar. It's like love can transcend time and space. Blah blah. blah. It's gonna be love. It's gonna be love. That's, that's I'm right the there with you. That's the thing that humans have that robots can't have is love, and um, or or at least you know uh, you know some some robots maybe can. But yeah, I think that's kind of the direction it's headed. I have I have a family. Uh, I have the Harry Potter thing of something worth fighting for, and I think. It does now. Like, if you told me two seasons ago, you know, three seasons ago it was doing this, I'd be like, that's that's stupid. But now it kind of does feel like the kind of show that would do that just because you have this, you know, super crazy, megalomaniacal, borderline cackling, mustache-twirling villain. It's like, all right, this is this has become, you know, a, a weekly popcorn movie. Let's do it. Why not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Caleb then goes on these trials where he like has to surmount these physical challenges basically. And I thought for the most part, these were really well done. Like yeah. you really feel like he's suffering. You really feel like he is subjecting himself to great physical intense pain and torture. Like it's, it's really uh, an ordeal. He goes through this massive ordeal to try to escape. 
right? Um, and, and the Aaron whole time Paul... I'm thinking to myself, why wouldn't they just build these hosts with like electronic shock collars, you know, or something like that? Unless Charlorus mm-hmm. wanted him to get out, which yes, is in fact what ends up happening. Um, yeah, so and yeah, go ahead. Aaron Paul is so so good throughout this episode as every version of Caleb that we see. Yes, I think this is. I- probably one of the best performances we've seen on the show i think aaron paul is great i think he's given a fairly thankless task on the show you know oh no well until now i would say until now well i think just because like most of the show most of season three most of season four aaron paul is basically his character is like what you could replace most of aaron paul's lines with what is going on (laughs) what is happening because in any given scene he does not know what's going on Right, like, where am yeah. I? What's going on? Where am I? What's going like? And that it's kind of a bummer of a character. Now that said, uh, I do think he's great. He needs to act like he's you know deformed robot version of himself multiple times, and like he does a great job of that. You know, like he does good work in this episode. But it's just like the character I don't think is great at this point. Um, okay, because we we've now had what fourteen episodes or however many episodes of the Caleb character and. I just don't feel like there's that much going on with that character, but he does, again, he does bring a great physicality to this performance. So no, no, um, no debate there. Look, I mean, season four anyway, sort of functions as a soft reboot twice over the discard season three. So instead of Caleb, you could have had a different character. You could have a new, new character completely. Yeah. If you wanted to, but yeah. Um, Um, But at the same time, like you said, great physicality. Okay, so as far as I can tell, uh, the uh, host version of Caleb was programmed to tell the new version of Caleb, hey, go check out the hourglass. Then he like pinpricks himself, pretends like he's dead. They flame the entire thing that he escapes, and then he tries to get out, but he doesn't get loose. Um, he endures a series of trials and kills a host machine and blah blah and then is able to get to the roof and transmit a message to his daughter being like hey you know good on you you're gonna survive everything's gonna be okay blah blah blah, blah. um and then the reason charlores let him do all this was because she wanted some kind of insight into like what kind of weapon or power he has but again the real weapon or power is love and so she's very unsatisfied with that answer um yeah and, he, and... no yeah, go ahead go ahead I was just going to ask, any things you want to call out? Like, there's really cool moments, like when he, like, kills the host. That's cool. When the other Aaron Paul is like, use me. You know, that's kind of cool. Any moments from this that you want to call out that that stuck out to you? Yeah, I love everything that he does, especially, you know, following the those ash handprints to kind of, which have become a kind of almost doomed roadmap because clearly he's, you know, following in the footsteps of another version of himself that has done this before and most likely failed. So there's this sense of like, you know, there's this big question mark hovering over it, like what's going to happen? But in a way it has already happened and we are also discovering what has happened. We're discovering all these horrors, all these failures. And the constant question is like, what is going to become of Caleb 278? The one that we've been following, I guess, since he woke up. But this is also the Caleb whose perspective that we've been tethered to for as long as he's been, for as long as he's been awake as this you know, host version, but also in a way we followed his story since the beginning because he has all those memories. So even though this Caleb has probably only existed a few days, he is also the Caleb who has existed 
50 60 how many ever years in a way um, so it it is like you know this Caleb 278's last stand, and so the end of it it becomes. I, I found it kind of rousing, even though again this is not the kind of speech you would expect from Westworld a couple of seasons ago. You know this whole thing of like oh never give up, you know family all that. Um, yeah, I found it riveting from a performance standpoint. I found it really intense. I found the way it was edited fantastic. Like. You know, it has all these flashbacks thrown in and one in particular where, you know, he's helping Frankie up, telling her, you know, be the kind of person who doesn't give up. And then that cuts back to him, you know, getting up and, you know, stumbling towards the door. Uh, also kind of intercut with, you know, Frankie's, the present Frankie's own, you know, battle with Jay, host Jay elsewhere. Um, and something I realized that she probably nicknames herself C. Because it's C for Cookie, which is his nickname for her, mm. which is something yeah. that didn't really register with me. Like he has been, I think he has been calling her Cookie throughout the show. It just never registered with me that it would have any kind of meaning. And I actually found um, a Reddit post from a couple of weeks ago, posted by the user Mrs. J one five three four. Okay, <laughs> let me just read this up. Please, <laughs> it's very it's very technical. Maybe Caleb calling Frankie his cookie means something more than just a term of endearment. Why are cookies used? Cookies are small pieces of text sent to your browser by a website you visit. They help that website remember information about your visit, which can both make it easier to visit the site again and make the site more useful to you. I'm no techie by any stretch of the imagination, so maybe all the things Caleb is teaching Frankie, his cookie, will make her visit the park or quest to find him in the future. I can't wrap my mind around that because I am no techie either, but it's, it's funny that people are perhaps rightly drawing a very, you know, technological meaning Mm -hmm. from this as like a piece of memory, because that, that is what he, what she is to him, you know? Uh, Yeah. That's what they are to each other at this point. It, it wouldn't surprise me if Cookie had some bigger meaning that was tech related um, for yeah. for the show, you know, or, or a nice little Easter egg for you, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, in a season that's about Easter eggs in some ways. True. So, uh, anything else about the storyline? There's a couple things to a couple moments to call out. Uh, one is that Charlotte or Charlotte is on the roof. She's lo- looking over her kingdom. I think you're right, Sanath. I didn't see the Statue of Liberty in this in this image. Maybe it was mm-hmm. there, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we have this long-running season-long debate about whether the Statue of Liberty is still there <laughs> or, or whether it's like a mirage. Um, but I did see the tower there, you know, so it's there. Yeah. And she, her hand is bleeding and it, or her arm is bleeding. It's like a really cool visual of like, she... <laughs> it's really a fable about having achieved everything you want in your work life but still being unfulfilled, I think. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And there's um, also this really nice parallel to last week's episode where, um, you know, Caleb says, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if Frankie heard my message, you heard my message. You're still going to lose. We didn't infect your hosts. And then she asked who did. And he said, you, your host would rather die than live in your world. Uh, which, first of all, ouch. Uh, second of all, it it is, again, similar to Christina, the other Dolores, so to speak, finding out from Teddy that she is essentially a god in this world and she or some version of her is responsible for its creation. And so 
it, it makes these two episodes twin in a very interesting way because it's about gods having to confront their failures or the horrors mm. they've wrought and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Good. And great, also, great call up. Yeah, and also, she's rude to Clementine. That's not good. You don't be rude to Clementine. <laughs> mm-hmm. We never really got an explanation for what happened to Clementine, did we? Like, oh, I don't think so. Because remember, like, what was what was the purpose of showing that scene where William murders her? You know what I mean? Like, I was like, what, what is the deal with that? Yeah. I guess I guess that's when they like repossessed Clementine's host body and maybe put a new <laughs> brain ball in it or something. I don't know. Probably. Anyway, um, but yeah, it, it's a great point about like the limits of what Char Loris can achieve. I mean, she she girl bossed a little too close to the sun. I think is kind of. <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, and she's she's ultimately like unsatisfied with like her creation because um, it turns out like a lot of the hosts would rather kill themselves than than live in her in her world. So and that would upset anyone. So then then she like torches all the Caleb's right all the like because I, I get I think my guess is like all the other Caleb's were like part of the setup for that one Caleb right yeah. Now, the whole time I'm watching this, I'm thinking to myself, wouldn't it be easier to just run this Caleb through a simulation in a computer? Like, you have the Caleb personality that you're programming into the body. Wouldn't you just run it through the computer? And I think that's one of the sort of overarching points that this show is trying to make. Sidon, you tell me if I'm right or wrong about this. Is that, like, there is something that comes with inhabiting a human body Mm -hmm. that is separate from the mind. Like... You could take a mind of a human, you put it in a separate body. This is the purpose. This is the point of like season three and season four make. Like, take one mind, mind A, put it into body A. It will behave and react and be a certain way. Put it into bot the same mind. Put it into body B, and it will behave and, and react differently. And and there's something essential about the mind body connection. I think mm-hmm. is what this show is trying to say. Um, yeah. Otherwise, why not just run this Caleb in a in a computer simulation like why bother building these actual hosts like it looks you know you, you see that caleb the caleb body actually being constructed in this episode right like why do yeah. all that unless there's yeah. something about being in the the physical body that is different and i think that's what this show's trying to say there's something that's different um and and theoretically something that they can extract information from that's different. Well, that's a really right? interesting point. And also, here's something interesting. So you know how at the end it says this is model 279? Um, are you aware of the significance of the number 279? I'm going to blow your no, mind. No, tell me. So 279 comes after 278. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> is it? You just had such an eloquent uh, explanation and extrapolation of the themes, and I felt I wasn't adding anything, so I had to try. I see. I got you. I got you. Well done. You nailed it. You nailed it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I was yeah, right again. So he, he was two seven, model 278 before is the one that died. Uh, the one that Charloris broke the guy's neck at the top of the tower. <laughs> you know? Jesus. Um, and I have to say, I really liked... Uh, I'm loving everything Tessa Thompson's doing this season. Like yes. she's so evil, and like, and I love the way she wakes Caleb up at the end of the episode. It's like, yeah, very gentle. You know, it's very like Caleb, wake up. You know, wake up, Caleb. You know, it's like, yeah, like almost like motherly. A, yeah, and being woken from a dream almost. There is clearly some kind of motherly instinct still within her, yeah. still somewhere buried, and that's again, that's 
not from her mind or from her body, but from some part of the body that was copied. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it, it, it comes or, from or, the original Charlotte Hale or, mm-hmm. or just from or, forming the connection. Yes. I, I was going to say, alternatively, um, it could just be her care of all host things. Like that was mm. the other interpretation. Like why, basically, why is she so gentle at the end there? She's like, wake up, Caleb. You know, like, yeah, um, it, it, there's, there's many potential reasons. One is what you said. Like, maybe it's like a remnant of the Charlotte Hale original self. Maybe it's her care of all hosts. Maybe it's just a um, uh, strategy to um, to make Caleb more you know, compliant, you know. But I just did find that her the way she wakes him up at the end really almost moving after mm-hmm. everything we'd seen from the previous the rest of the episode. So that's a good point. And and so some things happen in this episode that really make me want to fill in the gaps. Again, this is not important, but the way that Caleb is like leaning over that chair, like we we know what that's from. That's you know from the original time that the original Caleb was shot and kind of you know keeling over a bit. Uh, but what I want to know is. Did was this did this Caleb host this Caleb two seventy nine sort of in a fugue state walk over and position himself that way? Did did one of the drone hosts yes. lift him up and like puppet him until he was like? I, that? I think I think it's the latter. I think it's the latter. They like they like placed him like a marionette on that thing. Yeah, that's yeah. what I guess. Does he bring anyway. him there and then position his arms? Or is he already frozen in that position? And did they just like plonk him down? I need to know, man. <laughs> plot hole. Plot He's hole. Like, He's like a real doll, basically. You know, he can, he can you can move him around and put his his appendages in whatever position you want, and then when he wakes up, it's like he starts in that position. So yeah. Anyway, well, I thought a mixed bag, but some really nice moments in the episode. Sidanth, some really nice. I moments. I thought it was a bag of goodies. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap us up for today. Find more episodes of the show at decodingwestworld.com. Email us let us know what you thought of the episode at decodingwestworld at gmail.com. Until next week, he is Siddhanta Dlaka. I am David Chen. We'll see you then. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.